Want to cut cooling bills without cutting comfort? Lower utility costs and enjoy cool and consistent comfort with a highly efficient air conditioner from Luxair. With Luxair's consumer rebate program, educators, nurses, first responders, military personnel, and veterans can enjoy exclusive rebates on qualifying purchases of Luxair equipment. To learn more, call Chris Brewer at Affordable Heat and Air, 317-656-7945. They'll recommend a system tailored to your home that provides comfort, energy savings, and lasting performance. This is Trackside with Kurt Cavan and Kevin Lee. Brought to you by Luxair Premium Residential Systems. A smart choice at home comfort. On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Less than two and a half to go. And the, tw- the two car is on its way. What Pablo Montoya, but it's not over yet, Jake. If you got a giddy up to get on, you better do it now. Juan Montoya, Will Power right behind him. Power three, Carlix back. Charlie Kimball in third. Montoya in the tournament three. Oh, Clark came up with mid road and made figure a minute to the bottom of the racetrack. Justin Wilson, I believe it is, gets right back to the emergency lane. He's going to let the leaders battle it out. Here comes Juan Pablo Montoya, two car links over Will Power. Who will win? Paul Page. Montoya with Power right behind him. Power tries for a move. Montoya is going to win the 99th running of the Indianapolis 500-mile race. Alexander Rossi, the rookie out of California, is backing up the pace. Carlos Munoz charging. Alexander Rossi in the turn number four on fumes. Alexander Rossi for the final time. Exits turn number four. Here he comes, Mark James. He may have to coast it across the finish line. Alexander Rossi almost rolling to a dead stop. Twin checkers are out, and the rookie will win the 100th Indianapolis 500-mile race. Five years ago, Tacoma Sato took his shot in turn number one. He did not make it. Dario Franchitti won that race. Tacoma Sato now. Three car lengths in front of Elio Castroneves in a turn number three. Castroneves tries to make his move in the short shoot down on the white line. Sato has the lead out of four. Elio Castroneves pedaling for all it's worth. Quick checkers out. History will be made as Tacoma Sato goes to victory lane. He wins the 101st running of the Indianapolis 500 mile. White flag is in the hand of Paul Plevins and greets Will Power as he crosses the start-finish line and heads to turn one. Will Power arcs it into turn number one from Toowoomba, Australia. Arguably the greatest driver of his era without an Indy 500 win. Jake Wary, he is half a lap away. Will Power down the backstretch. He has 33 career victories. The word has always been that the 3.2 million bricks here reach out and they select their winner each year. Could it be that they reached into Australia in the form of willpower, Chris Denary helped bring him home. His 11-500 will be the best one. For the final time out of turn four, it's willpower. Willpower is going to win the 102nd running of the Indianapolis 500-mile race. We are almost there, ready for race weekend. This is Indianapolis, and we are set for the 107th Indianapolis 500 coming up on Sunday. Carb Day is tomorrow. Plenty of things going on. Thanks for joining us. Trackside, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan in Indianapolis. Eddie Garrison is in our studio. Kurt Cavan is at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I'm Kevin Lee. I am at times at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. We are plausibly live because we've not been able, well, I guess with the magic of recording devices, we are in multiple places at at one time. I'm 
helping out with a fantastic event tonight, raising money for the Relapsing Polychondritis Foundation at Silo. Kurt, you are where as we speak? So as we speak, well, right now I'm at the Speedway, but as this show is airing, I am on stage with many of the 1993 winners of or many of the Indy 500 participants in 1993 at the Old Timers and Hall of Fame uh, banquet or dinner at uh, the Marriott downtown. So it's nice to gather uh, with them. Last year's program was Roger Penske and Chip Ganassi. And so this year we go to Ari Leyendijk, Stefan Johansson and others. So it's uh, it's an interesting time. And that is uh, one of the many, many things going on on race weekend. It's like, you know, it's the biggest race in the world, the biggest race of the year. And it's reunion weekend. You you never know who you're going to see. Just, I would say, head on a swivel if you're anywhere in Indianapolis this weekend walking around. So the the biggest one for me was George Schneider, who we've not seen at the racetrack in many, many years. And, I mean, honestly, the team said to him, look, if you're, if you're going to get here and you want to see A.J. and you know, AJ's 88 and, you know, don't be waiting another five years to come to the speedway to see AJ. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just the reality of life. By the way, my favorite moment of the race month came really, I think it might've even been the day before the track opened on Monday last week. I was standing there. I don't mean to drop, drop names, but I was standing with Johnny Rutherford outside the Foyt garage and AJ came up in a golf cart and Johnny and AJ stood, well, sat together on the golf cart and just talked. I, I so much wanted to grab a photo to like mm-hmm. listen in and it just didn't feel like the right thing to do. But watching Johnny and Ruth, Johnny Rutherford and AJ Foyt reminisce about this place, priceless. And, um, you know, sadly, I don't think we'll have that, you know, for years upon years to come. Well, really cool to get the weekend started with um, getting a chance to to celebrate some of the legends. Uh, a reminder, tomorrow night, this show, if you always look forward to seeing someone on Carb Night, you can see racing, and you can at least see one of us. I'll be at uh, Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park, and I probably need to clarify again. I think I said, you know, at the Turn 3 tent, I need to make sure that I, I clarify. Turn 3 Motorsports tent, that's the name of yeah. Jackson's team. Um, so it's not by turn three. It's actually beyond turns one and two. So at the South Send, the big open parking lot, tickets are available. Uh, if you don't have a parking pass, which there are not many, I don't have one either. You just come in the Crawfordsville main gate, free parking, and then you can walk around. That's the big paddock area. That's where you'll find all the USF 2000 and USF Pro 2000 teams and we'll gather some of the drivers there at 7 o'clock tomorrow night, 6.45, something like that. Say hello, and I'll talk into my phone, which magically will appear on the radio tomorrow night. So we look forward to seeing some people there. And a good night of racing with uh, Silver Crown and Midgets, and then the uh, USF Pro Championships cars going on as well to get a set for the weekend. Uh, we should remind people, schedule for tomorrow morning and tomorrow at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Kurt. So gates open at eight and then cars, all 33 of them, some of them driven by Graham Rahal, will be on track oh, at I think uh, only one of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just funny because a few nights ago we weren't able to say that, but uh, those cars will be on the racetrack from 11 until one. I suppose they could be extended if, if, uh, if necessary. I, in fact, I'm sure of it. 
could be. And then uh, the Pit Stop Challenge at 2.30, the concerts to follow after that. So I expect a big crowd. You know, we're talking about the largest Indy 500 crowd since 2016. And I think we could be talking about a carb day of similar size. Brian Adams is a huge get uh, for the interest of the race fan demographics that we like to talk about. Basically, guys in the you and I bracket and uh, Brian Adams. You're going to have to say the you bracket, I think. Well, Brian Adams, you you were you were listening. No, I to remember music. him. I remember him. Um, it works out great. I don't have time for a concert. So no, I don't. For everybody else. I don't and either. I, I, I think it's cool, but I probably. Brian Adams isn't your guy. It's not for me. And that's what's great. But the thing is, if you're out there having a good time, it doesn't need to be for you. You're still going to enjoy it. That's right. It's, it's kind of about the event. And then and then Saturday, there'll be the the uh, traditional drivers meeting and the parade for the drivers and then legends autographs throughout the early part of the afternoon. And then we'll clear out and get things ready for the 107th Indianapolis 500. Soul Asylum. That's probably That's more right. my era is the opening act um, as well. So good stuff going on at the track tomorrow and then race day morning. I know a lot of people may not get to the Friday night podcast because, well, it's the weekends. So race morning, I would suggest, and you'll see this. I think IMS always releases sort of a minute by minute that you'll see posted on social media. So take a look at that so you know when you want to be in your seats do you happen to have one? Maybe we'll get it for the end of this the show, but I've seen one that kind of shows a little bit of the basic rundown. No, I, I have it. In fact, if uh, uh, surely there's not a lot of clicking going on as I get to it here on my computer, but... Uh, I don't want to anger our listener that complains about your typing. Yeah, I won't type. There's, I'll just scroll. really only one that complains. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll scroll. So... Uh, so driver introductions, that's probably the first moment that's that I think is really big. There's there's some others. I mean, obviously, cars getting to the grid, cars on the grid at at, at 1055. Uh, there'll be cars going around the racetrack at different points. Um, but really, I think driver introductions is where it starts for me. And that is at 1147 officially. So 1145, you ought to. You ought to be in your seats or at least able to see the large video boards. And then it's things like, you know, uh, the military march begins at 12.06 and uh, America the Beautiful uh, right around uh, 10 after 12 and the Purdue Band. And, you know, it's just going to be a lot of things. The invocation at 12.18. So taps. I mean, you really want to be uh in your seats, I'm going to say let's let's make sure you can see a video board by 11:45 because that's that's really for me the the time. And then, but some classic cars will go around the track in the morning, right? And sometimes correct. it's it's former drivers. I, I think a lot of people look to see that. Does it list what time you'll see classic cars start to go around? Former Indy 500 cars. Well, I, w- I was looking for that. Let me let me see here if, how early that'll happen. Um, you know, there and the band's playing and the Gordon Pipers are out and, you know, obviously there's a lot of yep. things. Um, I don't see exactly what time the cars are, are around the racetrack, but it's, it's certainly in that hour leading up to the driver introductions. Okay. So that is all coming up Sunday morning. Peacock has a bonus pre-race show 
I would assume that is not blacked out in Indianapolis. So I would encourage you, if you're at the track, just pull up your phone and you can kind of monitor what's going on. If you're at home, 9 to 11 is the Peacock exclusive pre-race show where I'm sure you'll get a little bit of what's going on in the ceremonies. I've seen a rundown. It's extensive. It's We're going to talk to a lot of drivers and get a lot of people. You know, Unfortunately, the you think, well, you've got an hour and a half pre-race show on NBC, but what, 30 minutes of that is dedicated almost to pre-race ceremonies and driver introductions, so it gets really tight. It's hard to get a lot of things in, so that's why we do this, so everybody can, more people can feel like they're a part of the Indianapolis 500 broadcast, and we also have a post-race show on Peacock, and I would think that is not blacked out, so give it a go. Coming up on Sunday, as you're sitting in traffic, or certainly there's also post-race coverage here on the radio, so you can multitask as you're sitting in your car, have the radio on, and pull your phone up, um, plugged into your charger, because it's probably dead by that point, and then see what we're doing on Peacock, because we'll talk to a lot of drivers back in the garage uh, after we get off air on NBC on Sunday afternoon. And don't forget some of the specials. Just the radio here is a good place all weekend long. And also 93 WIBC, you'll hear a lot of uh, previous things that the radio station has archived. Love hearing those old classic radio broadcasts. So that is going on all this weekend. Uh, is it time for our tears? Yeah, our I'm tears ready. to victory. I'm ready. And, and right. I guess I would start with a preface here. You know, we've talked all month at Probably twenty cars can win the Indy Five Hundred this year. I don't. I don't know that I think that now as we go into the to the actual race weekend. Now, having said that, I think there are scenarios where any number of fifteen to eighteen cars could end up in victory lane. That's not what I'm saying. But if we went with a straight standard race, and I, I'm what I mean by standard is no flukes, no fuel saving because some you know two or three cars are off strategy and you know we had a year where i think 2012 where you know cars were trying to make it to the finish on fumes and just anything yep. odd which happens but a straightforward race i got a tier one that has five cars and i have four cars in tier two and that's the only ones I think can win the race. I think there are nine cars in a straightforward race that can win. And that may be as low as I've ever imagined this race being. I've thought there was more like double figures for sure. And I only come up with nine. So I'm going to start with tier one. I think it is the four Ganassi drivers, because until you tell me otherwise or show me otherwise, they're the team to beat the, the program last year. And I know last year is last year, but we haven't seen anything much different this year. The cars that were going to win the race were either driven by Scott Dixon or Alex Pillow. If those two don't have issues relative to pit road, I don't think Marcus Erickson can win the race. And I don't think Pato Award can win the race. I think those two cars are still the two to beat. And Pillow may be on another level for me. But I have the four Ganassi cars and Pato Award. That's it in tier one. So the way I've broken down my tiers is I've tried to make them even more exclusive to separate a little bit, but I have three tiers that I feel have a really good chance of winning the race. But I wanted to separate that third tier, which I, I would not surprise me at all, 
from one and two. And then when I get to four and five, those are that, yeah, I think they could. So I've got 11 that I feel pretty good about, but in some ways I've got six. So here's how I broke it down. Tier one, I'm only choosing two of the Ganassis. And the reason I'm not choosing Marcus in that group is just no rhyme or reason other than, hey, it's tough to win this race back-to-back. Unlikely. This is no breaking down how the car is or the driver or anything else. There's a reason. No one's won back-to-back races. Well, there's not a reason, but it doesn't happen very often. It's been more than 20 years. So for no other specific reason, I take Marcus out of Tier 1 and even the Tier 2 and I have Pelot and Dixon, whose cars and skills are awesome. And then I have Pato Award. That's my three in tier one. Yeah, I, I. so we're already tracking on the same level that there's fewer drivers that we think are in the elite of the elite. And I agree with you. If I had to to wager, and I'm not going to, it would be Pelot, Pato, and Dixon. Those were the first three names I wrote down. And it took me a while to get to anybody else, honestly. I think Sato would be, let's put it this way, if if we went to the last five laps and I'm leading the race, Sato is probably the one I don't want on my mirrors. Uh, that just, that would concern me. Uh, there were others too, but Sato would concern me because I think he's, he showed even in 2012. I mean, he's going or t- yeah, 2012. It was so it wasn't 2012. The race about fuel that was 2010. I get him confused a little bit, but uh, 2012 when he went for it in turn one. Anyway, the point is, Pato, Polo, and Dixon to me are the elite of the elite. So I'll go and give you my tier two, which I still rate very highly, but I wanted to separate because yes, same thing. I think Polo, Pato, and Dixon are on a different level. That's where I have Sato. I think Rossi and the Aero McLaren cars are really strong. I've got Rossi in that group. I've got Kanan in that group. Again, same things like you talk about with Rossi. And then I wanted to have a, a little bit of a surprise in there, but maybe it shouldn't be a surprise. The Foyt cars are good. Santino Ferrucci says his race car is better than his qualifying car. The only caveat is, while yes, he's finished in the top 10 every year and as high as fourth, he has, so realistically, I should probably rate him lower because he has not, unless I'm forgetting something, experience going back and forth for the lead and understanding the strategy that comes with that. But I want to choose someone as a bit of a surprise. So I've got Santino Ferrucci because I love good stories. And if A.J. Foyt won the Indianapolis 500, what a story that would be. So I have, I have, as it turned out, 17 cars in the top three tiers, guys that I think could win the race. I don't have Ferrucci in any of any of those three. I don't Probably think... for the reasons I just talked about. Yeah. Well, and, and, and you got to think... have flawless pit stops and things that go with it. I think you have to have flawless pit stops and not only flawless pit stops, you under pressure at the end in the last two stops, you got to have perfect perfect elite pit stops Mm -hmm. and we just haven't seen the Foyt team week in week out in this series produce that kind of pressure moment and remember we're talking about a second will get you you know beat if you will so a second longer in pit road so my second tier when I've got the four Ganassis and Pato in tier one I think the other four cars that I think can win the race 
Rossi and Felix, as you met. Oh, you didn't mention Felix. Rossi and Felix, Joseph Newgarden, and Will Power. I think those two cars would be ones I'd I'd be very, I feel very good about. And then the others that you mentioned, Kanan and, well, I guess Kanan, he's going to make tier three. My tier three is large, but let me just wrap it up in this part saying the nine cars that I think can win the race in outright pace, the ones I mentioned in tier one, plus Felix, Rossi, Power, and Joseph. So I still include tier three in that group. So I think we just have a different definition of of our, our of tier three. three there. Yeah, I have tier three as people that will not surprise me at all if they win the race. My tier three includes Marcus Erickson, Will Power, Joseph Newgarden. I know Joseph breaks my theory of you need to be in the top 12, but I think a Penske car can get that done and it will not be that much of a surprise. I think their race cars are really good. I also think if there is... Some strategery that might benefit you. Tim Sendrick is probably going to come up with it. He's often done that. And there are a few others in that category as well, but a lot of them are starting up closer and may not need that. And then I include Felix Rosenquist. And then Renus VK is in that category, like Santino, that he's not experienced racing up front at the end. He's not been there yet, so... This still might be rated a little bit higher, but the car is so good, and when you're starting in second... If he doesn't make mistakes, he may be able to manage that. He might just stay in the top three all day. So, therefore, I think you have to rate him as someone that can win the race because the car is good enough, and I'm sure they're coaching him up on how, if you're in that position, we are going to manage that. So that is my list of the top three that I rate pretty highly of having a chance to win the race. So when I said there are 17, I'm already... I'm already backtracking on the tier three. I feel really good about Kanan. I feel really good about VK being in that group. And here's the other six that I put in there. I think Scott McLaughlin would be somebody that I think could win the race, although I don't feel as good about that since I've written it down. I think Connor Daly could be another one. I I don't feel as good about that as what I did other ones. I think Elio should be in that group. I think Herda uh, should be in that group. I've added uh, Ryan Hunter Ray. I think that would be an unbelievable story. Honestly, I don't know that I I feel as good about it as what I did when I wrote it down a little bit ago. And Kyle Kirkwood is the other one I wrote down, but I'm probably a little heavy on this list. Um, but to your point about uh, about Ferrucci, that's that's one I have kind of in long shots. And then Pagino and Graham were the other two that I wrote down. But honestly, like I said, I think it's coming from those first nine. So I looked and I have 12. I had one more. I have 12 in those first three tiers that I rate pretty highly to win. I give still a good chance to my tier four. And that's where I get the rest of the names that you just talked to. Scott McLaughlin. Same scenario with Scott, though, that he's not experienced. I think he'll be in it. And I think this will be a big step to him being a heavy favorite next year. He just needs to experience running up front the whole race. And, well, first, he's got to get there. And that that's challenging. It's going to be one thing to get into the top seven or eight, which I think he will do. Another to pick your way forward into that top three or four that are going to have a chance to win the race. But I still give Scott, with circumstances, and Team Penske a chance to get there. Uh, I think Ed Carpenter is close enough, and he's yeah. smart enough that he's going to be in there, and he can win the race. 
Same thing with Connor Daly, who has the experience now of running up front the last two years. So I give Connor a legitimate chance. I think the Dreyer and Reinbold cars are good. We'll find out about Grand's because it's a car that was just built. But Ryan is starting mid-pack, has the experience. I think Ryan is a long-shot chance that can win the race. I think he can easily be a top-five car. He's going to be there in the mix. And then and then the, the Hondas that I want to see more from. I just don't have enough information, and I think I'll know more by the time we get to Friday night after they've been on track again. But I do give Colton Herta, Elio Castroneves, and Simon Pagano a real chance, so I've got them in my Tier 4. And then I've got a I've got a tier five as well that I'll get to in a second of a very short list. Okay, give me that because I don't have a tier five. So I just t- tier five. It would be a surprise, but I think there is a scenario where it could happen. That's where I've got Kyle Kirkwood that you mentioned. I think the race car might be pretty good. Kyle's not experienced. You know, he's got one Indy five hundred, so that's a big jump for him. And then I'm just curious about Graham Rahal, and part of it is the story side of things. No one's won from 33rd before. Uh, so what, Scott Goodyear finished yes, second? That's right. Didn't Mario start 33rd in 81 yes. and was the winner for a couple of months? <laughs> yeah. So, so it's sort of it all, and, and that year, and, and that was the year that uh, he was doing Formula One and, and the car was qualified by someone else. One of a few times that he did that. I think the Dry and Ron Bull cars are good. Chevy might have a little bit of advantage. Does Honda have an advantage in fuel mileage? They have at some other tracks. Does that apply here? But but I put Kyle Kirkwood and Graham Ray Hall in that last group. So I think that gets me to 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 22. Yeah. But, but I have, you know, whatever, the last nine of those, that, eh, not super high in the list. So 12 is what I think. And really, I get it down to, I think, a good seven are my strong chances. But boy, those three up top, three or four up top are ahead of the class. So let me ask you real quickly, because we got some other things to get to. Uh, the two guys, uh, the, the the driver who would most make Good Morning America or an NBC, the Today Show, which driver fits that category? And I think it's Graham Rahal or Marco Andretti. And, and which driver would do the most for the sport, which would be the most uplifting for the sport. And I think that's Pato Award. His energy, his his momentum, his star rising is huge. And I think you can get Pato on the Today Show and Good Morning America as well. So I think all those apply. Obviously, Catherine Legg would be in that scenario as well, but it's going to be highly difficult. You know, she's uh, the goal for Catherine is to run all the laps gain more experience, come back with a better chance last year. But certainly, you know, that's the one that kind of transcends motorsport uh, from that scenario. Elio obviously gets you in there if if he wins number five. Kanan retiring in victory lane, you know, yep. and making it official, I think that gets you in a lot of places as well. Um, I think a, a hometown guy, Connor Daler, Ed Carpenter. You know, what is it, Wilbur Shaw? Yeah. Maybe I, I would hope. I would hope. You're right. Those others go a little bit higher on that, but uh, I I do think I think Connor and Ed in that category. Certainly Connor, who is a you know Ed is Ed is us. Ed is a very steady business like person, and he's wow. I'd be so fascinated to see that. But Ed's like me. He's pretty stoic. Connor would not be stoic. 
There would be something that goes viral from Connor winning the Indy 500 that I think would get him in some places. Well, I I wouldn't I wouldn't discount a very emotional Ed Carpenter in victory lane. He yeah, that might be just it. Yeah, he's not going to run around and jump around, but yes, I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine what this place? And, and Ed, I think Ed is one of those that said this as well. Does it mean anything more? Yes and no. Um, it means this much to everyone just because his family owned the place. I don't know that that increases his desire to win this race. He's a racing driver. They all desperately want to win this race. But Ed lived about literally 10 houses from the turn four entrance. Yep. I mean, and that's why he's still driving race cars. Yes, race. It, it really is. And his his kids are old enough to appreciate it now. His his wife is from here. You know, there he, he spent virtually his every day of his life here. His parents live here. You know, it's it's different for Ed, much like it is for Connor. But it's a you know, it's an authentic Indianapolis story. By the way, if you want to go on Sunday, uh, Doug Bowles told Jenna Fryer this morning about five thousand reserve seats remain. If you want to sit down, this will be the biggest crowd in 25 years other than the 100th so if somehow we can get 5,000 seats sold by say tomorrow night maybe the blackout does get lifted so encourage your friends to go buy a ticket and see the race tomorrow maybe not because I'm sure there's still infield available so I would not count on that if you want to watch the race live I would encourage you to go to the race because I, I just don't see at this point that one time it did happen what they knew by Monday or Tuesday for the 100th, that we don't want any more people in there, so we're going to lift it. Todd Giles says, um, Carb Night Classic Indianapolis Raceway Park will be televised anywhere. This Hoosier now in Tennessee would love to see Jackson Lee and the Hoosier 100. So I know the USF Pro Races are on their YouTube channel. They have a broadcast for that. Doesn't Flow TV do all the USAC yeah. races? So look into that. That might be a yearly subscription because I looked into that for the Chili Bowl uh, so you may need to subscribe uh, all year round. But I believe there should be some sort of a broadcast, and Rob Howden does commentary. There's at least an audio feed, and I bet they have some pictures for all the things. So do a little searching on that. Bill Ryan asked, dumbest question of the last two weeks, if tires are such a big deal and fall off so fast during qualifying, why the burnout leaving the pit lane staging area? I know they want heat in the tires, but why leave the rubber on pit lane? I think it's because they simply just want to heat up the tires as quickly as possible. But that is probably more important to get the temp in the tires than it is to save that bit of rubber. Uh, Elevated Racing says, would love to hear Kurt and Kevin discuss why I'm right on trackside. And his previous tweet, I went through that. It's because he's pointing out, um, you're foolish if you pour the milk on your head because you got to wear it the rest of the day. And I agree with that. I would try to refrain from pouring that milk on my head because you are going to regret that an hour later. Drink it, pour it on somebody else. Just kind of splash it around so everybody's got a little bit, but they're not just drenched because that suit, you got to wear the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's an extensive process. I, we almost never mention how long the driver is sort of on in terms of answering questions and doing things after the race. But I bet it's four hours before he gets to change clothes, and he's pretty stinky. I've been around a couple of them over the recent <laughs> years and reminded how stinky milk smells four hours later. 
Lawrence Cunningham asks, I think you mentioned this last night or the night before, will Graham use his normal spotter? Yes. Uh, that's uh, as far as I know, that's what the plan. Hear. That's and, that's just to me, that's a safety thing, not a team benefit. You know, it's not like you get to bring your engineer who could, you know, essentially be part of your old team. This is a safety thing. Somebody Graham has been working with in terms of knowing where other cars are around him. The spotter doesn't have any intel about the Chevy relationship or the, the Honda relationship or, RL, you know, it's just safety. And I don't think that the driver in this case is going to learn a whole lot either, other than how it feels. Ooh, this feels differently in this situation than the Honda does. I heard and Ed, he'll learn about fuel mileage, too. Well, I heard Ed Carpenter, and I didn't hear all of it, but but Ed Carpenter was on with Kevin and, and uh, Jake this yesterday morning or the day before, and he was saying that, that Honda could mask all those, uh, or Chevy could mask all the, yeah. the little details. So, yeah. Uh, Mike Stoops says, I've been watching Marshall Pruitt's videos with Chevy and Honda regarding the hybrid system coming next year. Since Honda and Chevy collaborated on this, could this be a deterrent to a third manufacturer because they weren't involved and might feel behind? Possibly. I, I think if and when a new comes in, you'd like to have something new, which I think very well might be the case. Because you know we're to the point now where uh, I believe, unless there's something I don't know about that is ready to be announced... We're looking at 26 as the earliest. 24 obviously isn't happening, and I think 25 had to be done by now to happen. So I think 26 is the earliest. So they could always tweak something to try to level the playing field. They want to make it an option for whoever comes in to be able to compete right off the beginning. So And, and when you say there. they... When you say they, you're not just talking about IndyCar. You're also talking about Honda and Chevy because Honda yeah. and Chevy want want another manufacturer as much as IndyCar, maybe more so, honestly. Anything else in this segment before no, I, I think let you we're go? Good. I think we're okay. good. So uh, coming up, uh, we'll see some other things going on, what we've missed, uh, what we learned at the track today. We can kind of share a little bit of information on Graham and Catherine Legg's install laps today and more all coming up. Trackside 93.5, The Fan. Hi, this is Colton Herda, and you're listening to Trackside. It's race week, and that means the USAC Amsoil Sprint Car National Championships this week at Circle City Raceway. Still tonight, uh, along with USAC Midwest Thunder Speed 2 Midgets, Kids 12 and Under Free, Military, First Responders, Veterans, Seniors, and Teachers Discounted. Circle City Raceway at the Marion County Fairgrounds, CircleCityRaceway.com. Our news of the day is Stefan Wilson's surgery was successful. It kept getting delayed yesterday so it uh boy I, I think it was like almost 10 o'clock when I got a note that it was all done and all went well uh, he was up walking a little bit around midnight last night and he's posted some things on social media today and all is well we are potentially going to talk with him uh, during our carb day practice tomorrow so stay tuned for that if we can get that worked out but all is good and we are uh, really rooting for Stefan Wilson as he goes through the recovery process and want to see him back here very very soon. Also something, we talked in the last segment, a question was asked about Graham Rahal's spotter. I think the original plan was he was going to keep his. I just got confirmation a little bit before 5 o'clock that Graham will be using the regular spotters that Stefan Wilson was going to use. They did their install laps, and there were a lot of them. I think Graham went in and out at least eight times. Catherine Legg, something close to that as well. 
So they obviously were using it to get as much of a feel as they can and to get comfortable, certainly for Graham. But but Catherine went in and out several times as well. So that is good news. Uh, did see the car, and it still looks basically the same. The the, the Graham Ray Hall, Dreyer and Reinbold Cusick Motorsports car. It's still the primaries that you saw on Stefan's car. United Rentals has been added. Fifth Third Bank has been added. I know Fleet Cost and Care was already on Graham's helmet. I'm not sure if it's on the car or not. And then some of the uh, Stefan Wilson partner stickers from the 24 Cusick car are on as, um, I would say, supporting partners, associates on Ryan Hunter Ray's car. And then we may even see some new looks. You never know. When you show up carb day, you see things looking a little bit different and then maybe even still some things different we will see coming up on race day as well. Final thought I have in this segment is being out at the track this afternoon, it's really pretty special to just get to see behind the scenes at this thing coming together. Uh, and, And the place is quiet, but yet so busy. And think about it. Have you ever organized a party at your house for 20, 30, 40 people and how stressful that can be or even an event like we did with the Burger Bash on Monday or that I've been doing uh, at Silo tonight? Uh, They're doing a party for 325,000 or so people and it is massive. I saw Roger Penske in the golf cart going around and checking things as he always does. The place looks beautiful. We are ready for a wonderful weekend and it really gets started coming up tomorrow with Carb Day and then stuff happening at Raceway Park tomorrow night, Legends Day on Saturday and the greatest spectacle in racing on Sunday. We'll preview some of the things coming up over the weekend. Shorter segment here because hey, we ran a little bit long talking tears and more in segment once. We'll get caught up and back with a, a good segment coming up next uh, to talk about what's coming up at Raceway Park and how you can see this show live tomorrow night. 93.5, The Fan. This is Trackside, brought to you by Luxair Premium Residential Systems, a smart choice and home comfort on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Thanks for staying with us, Trackside, ahead of uh, Beyond the Bricks with Mike and Jake in just a few minutes. So I mentioned this last night a little bit earlier Um, We have at times done something on Carb Night. We've done events on Monday, but people only come in for the weekend and like to say hello. So we are creating an opportunity because I know where I'm going to be coming up tomorrow night. I'm going to be at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park, where my son Jackson will be racing at 930. But there's a full night of activity uh, and we're going to do the radio show live tomorrow night. And I need to be clear, I I think I said from the Turn 3 tent last night, I need to say the Turn 3 motorsports tent. That confuses people when we say Turn 3. So that's uh, in the general paddock area. Uh, The Turn 3 motorsports tent, which is in the USF Pro Championships paddock. More on that in a moment, more on what's coming up with the general manager of IRP, Casey Kohler. How are you, Casey? I'm great, Kevin. Great to have you, or great to talk to you. So let, let's talk about what's coming up tomorrow night. Uh, I, I think IndyCar fans are somewhat familiar with the USF Pro Championship races, but this is a really big short track night for USAC. It is, and it's a bit of a change for us. So you know, one of the things that uh, you know, we've, we've, we've brought to the Carb Night Classic this year is uh, 
kind of a, a rekindling of the Hoosier 100, right? This was an event that we were originally had on the books in April. And unfortunately, you know, sometimes April weather in Indiana doesn't cooperate. So we moved it to, to carb night. So that's 100 miles for the USAC Silver Crown Series. It's a $25,000 payout to the winner, uh, which is pretty big in that category. We've got over 35 cars registered, which I thought I saw the other day is the the biggest field since maybe 2008 for that category, which is really positive. And then, oh, by the way, we've also got national pavement midgets where you know we'll put on a 30-lap race. We've got J.R. Hildebrand coming to, yeah. to participate and 23 other great drivers from all over the country. So uh, it's a it's a jam-packed night, but we're excited to uh, to kick it off. Who are some of the other big names we'll see in the Silver Crown and the Midget Race that kind of bookend the evening? Yeah, so yeah, I mean, for for pavement, open wheel, short track racing, you you really, I mean, you can't get much further than Cody Swanson, Bobby Santos, Tanner Swanson, Tyler Roaring, you know, the Little Five Hundred champion. Um, we've got all of those folks. We've got Emerson Axum, kind of an up-and-coming uh, uh, dirt track, pave, now dipping his toes on the pavement side of things. Um, so we've got, we've got a number of different folks that uh, have had you know, success uh, across Indiana, across the Midwest that uh, will be participating. We know Emerson. He raced with my son in quarter midget, so we've known Emerson since he was little. He's good, so I'm happy that's, to see that's that, great. that that he's doing well. What's the uh, best place to get tickets for uh, tomorrow night, and can people just kind of show up at the door? Yeah, so uh, I think by the time we're probably you, you show up tomorrow, we'll probably be sold out of the reserve tickets, uh, which great problem to have. But uh, we have plenty of general admission. You can just go to raceirp.com and uh, get your tickets there. And, and also, I like to mention, you know, uh, parking's free, camping's free. And for our GA tickets, kids 12 and under are free, too. So, you know, it's a, a an affordable night out to, to kick off your Memorial Day weekend. Give me one or other two big events you are looking forward to this summer. Yeah, so if we think about our next big one, it's NASCAR's return on August August 11th with the Arkham Menard Series and then now the Craftsman Truck Series. Uh, Friday night, we sold that thing out last year. The, the response was, uh, I mean, overwhelming, and it's only doubled going into year two. Um, we expect that that event to sell out. Um, and, and so, and then the following night, we're bringing back pavement midgets and we're bringing back an old event called the Twin 25. Steve Lewis used to do that, right? You win the first midget race, 25 laps. You start at the back for a $50,000 bonus, and that will be on Saturday night. Got a lot of NASCAR drivers are, are getting ready to participate uh, in some way, shape, or form uh, that night uh, with some of the activities we've got going on. Casey Kohler is the general manager of Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. Come out and join us tomorrow night if you're there a little bit early. Uh, the Silver Crown race starts at 7.15, so there are some car noises in the background. Kurt will be in studio. I'll be in the south end area paddock. Uh, there's some parking there if you have a pass, but otherwise you're parking more on the north end or a little bit west of the track. And then come over and walk and, and meet some people. We'll get some uh, drivers coming in there. Maybe we'll have Peter Dempsey, Jackson's boss, talk about winning that four-wide Freedom 100 exactly 10 years ago yesterday. Uh, so that will be cool tomorrow night for the show. And then we'll recap Carb Day and get you set for the greatest spectacle in racing. 
Looking forward to it. We're on Peacock tomorrow, 11 to 1, then 2.30 until 4-ish for the Pit Stop competition and plenty more going on. Thanks to Eddie Garrison in the studio. For Kurt, I'm Kevin. Beyond the Bricks is next, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan.